We must be careful. This is a cargo port. It's not meant for people. Then they won't look for us here. Well, not unless it's a setup. Is it that hard to believe you might have friends? Look, since I met you, I've been chased, shot at, I almost fell to my death, and now there are inquisiting people after us. If somebody is offering us help, I think we should take it. Now, come on. What now? Nothing. You just remind me of someone. She was fearless, too. And stubborn. I'm not stubborn. Yes, you are. I'm not. Was your friend a Jedi, too? No, she was a leader. She died a long time ago. I'm sorry. Me too. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 470, Kenobi premiere and celebration. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Owen Lars to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire. Oh, I asked you to stay away, Jason. We don't need any of your help. I'm sorry, but he must be trained. Like you trained his father? Okay, I'm gonna leave now. Bye. <laughs> uh, Jason, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know why we're bothering to even record this week. There's not like there's anything going on. No, no, it's the slowest week in the history of Star Wars. Nothing happened at all. Uh, we should just close down the podcast for good at this point. Yeah, I think. I mean, I feel like at this point, like maybe the next big release is like the Ewoks cartoon on VHS again, like a re-release. Like I feel like that might be around the corner, but that's really it. Yeah, but it's weird because nobody buys VHS players anymore. So I guess it's a nostalgia thing. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we are so excited to have y'all with us uh, as we, we're going to dive into the first two episodes of, of, of course, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that just started on Friday of this past week. Uh, lots of big announcements, show announcements on its celebration over this past weekend. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about all of that. Um, and, uh, there's just so much, there's so much to say, Jason, and I'm so excited to get into it. And, uh, I'm even jealous because even though you also, like me, weren't able to be at celebration, you were at something very fun this weekend. I was, I got to be at uh, Phoenix fan fusion, which is the new name for Phoenix comic con here, uh, in Arizona. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I was just glad to actually be at a convention again, because it's been two and a half years since I've been to a convention. And it was glorious to be around the geeks and the costumes and the weirdness that is a convention floor uh, once again. So I was very happy about that. Uh, my Our friends of the show, Joey Letson and Kyle Avery, Kyle Baca, uh, the three of us ran uh, a trio of panels over the weekend. 
which were very well attended and which we have audio for. So stick around in the next couple of weeks. You'll get some bonus episodes out of us um, in the form of some panel audio from Phoenix Fan Fusion. So uh, keep an eye out on the feed for that. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I I did notice one thing, Carl. Mm. Um, the 501st Rebel Legion area of the convention floor was uh, a bit sparse shall we say, in terms of costumed uh, people, probably because they were all <laughs> a state over in Anaheim for celebration. Um, so there weren't as many Star Wars costumes I saw this year, uh, but I I can understand why. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, I've, obviously several of our friends got to be at Celebration, Um and just getting to even even those of just following everybody who had such a great time, over, you know, in Anaheim this past weekend just reminded me how much I miss these conventions. And I can't wait to be back at the next one. Hopefully it can even make London work. And if not, certainly the one after that. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious about if I can make London work too. like I, I miss this celebration. I'm like, do I do I want to see if London works? Yeah. Yeah. And I. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is something to definitely i'm gonna be thinking about already um but oh my gosh jason this the start of this kenobi series whew, i gotta say it is not what i expected but it's just as good as i was hoping absolutely it it started out you know the the first couple scenes definitely laid out a path and a trajectory that we were somewhat suspecting, kind of familiar with. And then it decided to take a left turn on us uh, and just go a direction that I didn't anticipate at all. Um, and I, I'm, I'm here for it because it works. Uh, so folks, if you haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, here's your spoiler warning. Cause we're going to talk, details uh about it so if you don't want to be spoiled you come back later uh but it's been almost otherwise a, it's been almost a week i'm sure if you're listening to a star wars podcast you have watched this show <laughs> i would hope so because carl we've talked about how how there has to be a a good reason for obi-wan to leave tatooine um and they kind of faked us out at first with this other Jedi being on Tatooine. Um, and I thought, oh, are they going to, is Obi-Wan going to try and get him off planet to kind of keep things quiet for Luke? Is that what they're going to do? And then the Jedi was strung up in the streets the next day. And I was like, oh, never mind. And they gave us Princess Leia instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. And- I know that. And I know like I, I'm fairly certain this was something thrown around before the show came out. People hypothesizing that perhaps he does leave to help protect Leia in some capacity. And we knew I mean, we knew from the get go Jimmy Smith's was going to be in the series. Obviously, no idea how much he was going to be in it. But there was no mm-hmm. there was no green light on Leia specifically. Again, like once Jimmy Smith's was announced, it was kind of implied like, all right, I bet you we see Leia in some capacity. Um 
But for that to be the driving force between behind Obi Wan leaving Tatooine, I think is just it's just not what I expected. But I think it, it's awesome all the same. Yeah, it, the the only the only thing to get Obi Wan Kenobi off of Tatooine is Luke's twin sister and a in person, you know, request from Bail Organa to go help her because she's in trouble and has been kidnapped. Uh, yeah, that's, that's perfect. And before we get too much further, Carl, I just want to say the little girl playing Leia is the most adorable, precocious bundle of, of Carrie Fisher I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. Um, and, and I cannot get enough of, of her as Leia. So (laughs) I'm right with you. She is adorable, absolutely adorable, and also perfectly little Leia. Um, right. For all the things you just said. Absolutely agree. And yeah, I, I uh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to talk all about that yet because that's a little bit later on into the episode. Um, but how about the fact that the show opens with another rendition of Order 66? It does. It yeah. does. That was surprising. Uh, you know, we, we open up on Coruscant, we pan back into the Jedi temple and I'm like, what are we here for? Why are there Jedi? Are we, are, I guess we're just getting a flashback. And then, uh, I actually was able to watch the premiere, uh, with Kyle the night before, um, we went to, to Phoenix fan fusion and he goes, I think one of those Padawans was Riva. So the the new inquisitor the main, the uh the third sister right that's what she is Riva Yep Riva third sister yeah so he you know he picked that up like super quick and I I didn't uh so I was grateful that he said that but I uh, I think he's right and I think that's why we start with an uh, order 66 flashback and it makes me think if he's right that we're going to see more of this flashback uh, to kind of explain a few things about her as a character. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if that wasn't Riva in that opening, I don't understand the point of showing that then. Right. Cause it's like, we know right. order 66 happened. Um, I thought it was also really neat that they gave a four minute summary of the prequels as kind of a recap um, at the start of the episode that you can obviously skip if you don't want to, but I watched it the first time I watched the show. Cause I was like, yeah, I want to see what they point out. And it, it was awesome. It was so well done. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I agree that I, I'm fairly certain that that's Reva right at the beginning. Um, and I just, like, it was, I mean, yes, we saw a quick shot of this as well from Grogu's perspective in season two of Mandalorian. Um, we saw order 66 take place at the start of bad batch, um, which I, it was really cool to see it like on a, on a, a particular war front with bad batch, but it was also really cool to just any time I can see the Jedi temple, I'm there. Like I, I want to see it. Yeah. Even if it is being ransacked, um, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it's really powerful. And I like how the show opens with this really peaceful tone in the music and this really like beautiful meditative dance. And then as soon as those clone troopers come in the door, the camera immediately starts to wobble and shake and become unsteady. I just thought that was really brilliant cinematography. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, just it, it's like hell breaks out and then fades to black with Palpatine's voice saying execute order 66. You know, I mean, it's it's it, in a neat way, like even if you didn't have the recap at the top, you know, summarizing the prequel trilogy, um, this one scene just kind of reminds you the state of Obi-Wan's life. Everything fell apart, right? Everything, everything was torn away from him. Um, and then we meet Obi-Wan just doing a mundane job in the desert, uh, living in a, <laughs> living in a cave. And I, I, for whatever reason, it really surprised me that he wasn't in his little hut, right? That we obviously know he's, know he lives in, in episode four, uh, I really dig that he's living in a cave. Like it reminds me of like, he's doing some sort of penance. Like he, he's, and we know he's very guilty. He feels very guilty for what happened with Anakin. Um, and, uh, to me, it's like, wow, maybe he's living in this cave as a form of penance. Um, it's entirely possible. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I also think that the, the cave probably has, uh, closer access to Luke um, and the mm. Lars homestead than the hovel did. Um, I get the impression that, that his his hovel was further away, which you know may, maybe we'll see him kind of let go of of this need to to watch and uh, train Luke by the end of the uh, the series, uh, at least as much as he he seems to be uh, initially. Um, and that gives him permission to kind of go and establish himself further out where he can still keep an eye on things, but not, you know, hover, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, um, I, I love, I love Santa Kenobi too. He buys Luke a, a, a toy T-16 model the t16 skyhopper yeah. that we see in a new hope uh it's so good it was so great to see that uh of course um owen is is definitely the guy who asks for the receipt so he can give it back um <laughs> he owen did not appreciate santa kenobi dropping off a present at their door uh that's for sure he wants obi-wan to stay as far away from luke as possible uh and the the interesting thing, obviously, is that they're both doing what they think they need to do to protect Luke. Mm-hmm. And both positions are completely understandable, but they're completely at odds with each other. Um, so I just found that to be an interesting sort of dynamic there between Obi-Wan and Owen as they're both trying to do what's best for Luke. But what's best from their points of view clashes completely with each other. Um, and sort of the, the push and pull of, of who gets to have a say in it. Um, and that dynamic, I, I am guessing has been going on for a while between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. I, right. Like it, it's certainly implied that Owen knows where to find Obi-Wan, right? He shows up where his, his EOP is, is being, um, tethered throws the toy on the floor it really man i gotta say the first time i watched it when when obi-wan picks it up off the ground and it's it's kind of smashed right like when owen throws it like one of the wings falls off 
Mm-hmm. And then when he picks it up, I don't know. It just like it breaks my heart that like he he because Obi-Wan is so wounded at the start of this show. Like he is just he's carrying around yeah. so much despair and so much guilt. And, you know, like he's he's somewhat he's trying to be as respectful as he can of Owen and keeping his distance. But he's at least just trying in some way to, like, give some life to Luke's boredom. And he's not even allowed to do that. Um, right. So it just really broke right. my heart. But at the same time, Owen is in a much better headspace than than Obi-Wan at this point in the story. You know, he is. He he wants to care for Luke. He knows what's the best way to do that is, is just keep him safe on the farm. You know, Ben, if you keep getting involved, you're going to screw things up like you did with his father. And right. We get one line of dialogue that kind of tells us all the exposition we need, which he says, Anakin is dead. Right. So they both believe Anakin is dead. Oh, yeah. and again, like maybe we'll get more teased out of this. If this is all we see of Joel Edgerton in the series, I am going to be pissed because he's so good. Um, right. So I really hope we get to see some more of him. Uh, the the old Owen voice that he's doing is so good. It's perfect. Like, yeah, it's so it's good. Fantastic. It is. So, um, yeah. I think we're going to see them again at the end. I think we're going right. to have one more sort of like scene where we see the Lars family, Luke included, um, you know, if nothing else, but for a nostalgia's sake and to kind of give Obi-Wan a bit of closure after whatever it is that happens in this series. So um, I, I'm almost positive we're going to see them again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Joel Edgerton has been absolutely fantastic as Owen Lars. And uh, my favorite scene with him is the scene between him and Riva, because obviously the Inquisitors are there mm-hmm. looking for this other Jedi. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to say anything else before we moved on to that. Uh, well, but, I just wanted to like finish off that point about um, the fact that they think Anakin is dead. And I just, mm, yes. so how does, right? Like how does Owen understand that? And again, we don't know. Maybe we'll get further exposition, but it's just putting the pieces together. It seems like Owen holds Obi-Wan responsible for Anakin being dead. Maybe not directly. Like I doubt Obi-Wan showed up and said, I fought him on Mustafar and defeated him. Like I doubt it was quite that. Um, right. We don't know for certain, but maybe it's just simply, you know, you trained him and it wasn't good enough. So, no, I'm not going to let you train this kid. Pull him into some idealistic crusade that'll get him killed like it did his father. Right. So this is me just implying from one line what Owen probably knows of the story. I don't I just like I just don't see Obi-Wan being that forthright. I mean, we know him to be someone who likes to tell things from certain points of view. So I feel like it was more like Anakin died. He died in the you know, he died in this Jedi purge. I'm going to go into hiding can you keep him safe type of a thing? Right. Um, so it's like for Owen, this training you provided wasn't good enough to protect him. It's definitely, and it won't be good enough to protect Luke. Let me take care of Luke. I'm his uncle. Right. Yeah, exactly. He, he's, uh, he doesn't believe that the training will protect Luke. He believes the training will send Luke into danger and get him killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's what happened to Anakin, according to, uh, what Owen knows. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Obi-Wan said anything other than 
that Anakin died in the purge, you know, in order 66, I would be very surprised. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to the scene with Owen and, and Riva, pretty, pretty intense. Owen is kind of a badass standing up to this very powerful person who, yeah. I mean, she's, she's throwing her intimidation game at him full on. She just cut someone's hand off in front of everybody. Um, I mean, she's intense. She, Reva, this, this, these whole two episodes, she is like a, just like on a, on a chain, right? Like she is a chained up animal, um, in the sense of like, she is, she just has all this aggression and she keeps being pulled back, uh, by the grand inquisitor. And, She's just like ready to pounce and she's ready to pounce on Owen. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, there is a level of rage in her. I think, you know, Maul was, was sort of a seething, quiet fury. Um, there is a, like a rage in Riva that's, you know, definitely being expressed differently than any of the other dark side characters that we've seen before at this point, which, um, I'm curious to know what is driving that rage. Uh, obviously, she doesn't fit in with the other Inquisitors because she keeps trying to one-up everybody in order to get favor with Vader, uh, including the Grand Inquisitor, who's technically her boss. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, she's... Uh, she's. There's got to be more to why she's this angry and what her motivation for this recognition is. And and I'm curious to see uh, what we get from that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it'll help make things make more sense. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I like her. She's got a great look. Um, she's super intimidating when she needs to be. Like, I wouldn't mess with her. I, 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 no, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I think she's a she's a great character. But I, I need to know more about like what's driving her because there's something there. You can feel it in the way she carries herself and the way she she does things. And, and I'm just I just want to know what that is. So <laughs> yeah, and and you know we're gonna get it right because obviously there has been some you know people complaining like well, why is she doing this? Why is she doing? It? It's like yo, it's episode two out of six. Like you're not gonna have all the answers right now. Um, right. Did you know that when, uh, when Yoda says there's another, did you know right away who that was? No, you had to wait three years. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, like my goodness, y'all clear your jets. Um, but yeah, but I am with you. Like, obviously like I want to know what's driving her as well. And I know we're going to get it. Um, and yeah, but that scene with Owen, just the way he stands up to her, um, the fact that he doesn't show any fear, says a lot about him, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know exactly what it, it says, except he's just not afraid, which is kind of badass. I, yeah. It takes somebody, it, like, when you have a character like Reva, who is so intimidating, who is, uh, you know, a, a force to be reckoned with, and that's de- that's developed right away with her character in this first episode, for someone like Owen to just stand there and not be shivering or shaking or, like, nervous is, like, right, like, it shows what a badass he is too, right? It takes two badasses to be a badass in a way. Right. Right. It, it, what it does is it gives Owen a, a quiet strength that I don't think the character had before. Because when we meet Owen in A New Hope, 
Um, he's kind of just a crotchety old man. He, he, he just doesn't want Luke to leave the farm. He's, you know, uh, you know, and you kind of get the idea that he's doing it, you know, out of his own interpretation of Luke's own good, um, at the time and that he's struggling to, to keep Luke there on the farm at that point. Uh, but in, in this series, that gives Owen a quiet strength because he is doing something to protect Luke at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's his motivation when it comes to Luke. He knows that Luke is important. But he also knows that if Luke ever figures out how important he is, it's going to put him in danger and he's likely going to get himself killed. And Owen doesn't want that to happen. So... Uh, I think this show has already like elevated Owen Lars to a, you know, a character that's far beyond anything he was before for me. So mm-hmm. I actually rewatched the Owen Lars scenes from a new hope after watching the first episode a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It gave me a whole new interpretation. He actually, yes, like he's crotchety in some of the scenes because He's a farmer who's literal, like he lives hand to mouth. So yeah, he's, he's kind of a rough and tumble kind of guy. But if you actually watch the scene when they're like, when Luke's like, oh, he says he belongs to somebody named Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Mm -hmm. When you watch Owen's reactions, he actually, and again, this is, this is just my kind of more succinct interpretation in light of Kenobi. There's a genuine care for Luke in that moment where he's like, he's really trying to protect Luke. Um, and then when Luke storms off and, and Baru is like, you know, he's no, he's not a farmer Owen. Yeah. It's what I'm afraid of. Like there, there is a sincerity to Owen. I think he, he really, really loves Luke and in his own limited way, he's going to do everything he can to protect Luke. Right. Right. Uh, and at this point, in Kenobi, that that kind of protection is what Luke needs. By the time we get to A New Hope, Owen can't really protect Luke anymore. It's because he's a he's an adult now. He's a he's a young man. It's time for him to to you know make his own way in the world, however, whatever way that is. Um, and and that's why Luke ends up you know going off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at at this point in Obi Wan Kenobi. That kind of determined protection is 100% what Luke needs um, right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and then, like we were kind of saying earlier, the biggest surprise of the episode is, boom, all of a sudden we go to Alderaan. It's like, wait, what? Is, it, yeah. is, this, is this Alderaan? Um, and then you see, like, the, the way they're shooting the, um, you know, the the girl being clothed like you're like oh my god that's that's obviously leia right being clothed in a, an outfit very similar to the outfit she wears on cloud city in empire strikes mm-hmm. back um and then it's obviously revealed that it's just a prank here but <laughs> this is leia's story on alderaan and uh, i can't wait for the full score to be released obviously like i'm super i'm super excited and very happy that we have the john williams obi-wan theme available i can't wait for the full score though because the music that Natalie Holt, that's the the composer for the show. She also did the series Loki, which has a great score as well. Um, but she talked about how she was so excited to write, write a new theme for Leia. 
um, which I, I really dig. Like, I mean, the Princess Leia theme is by far one of the most beautiful themes in Star Wars. Um, Absolutely. But it's cool to kind of give her a new one. And again, I don't have the wherewithal in, to understand the musical nuances of notation. I mean, that's where you need somebody like David W. Collins. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be some hints of the Princess Leia theme worked into it. But when when we first hear what I'm again, like, I'm assuming this is Leia's new theme is when uh, it's revealed that she's not in the costume and Briha is like, go find her. And then we get that panning shot over the, the forest and the mountains and there's this swell of music, which I do think is the new Leia theme. It just reminded me a lot of Chewie's theme from Solo. Uh, it sounds, okay, yeah, it sounds yeah. a lot like, um, and, and again, maybe more so in tonality than actual notation, but when you get that shot of, you know, the AT hauler f- flying through the clouds over the snowy mountains and Chewie's theme first sets in, it's this very like bright and beautiful uh, piece of music. And you get something very similar again in, in tone as we, we meet Leia for the first time. So I just thought it was really neat that I don't know. Again, I don't know if there's any technical matchups here, but just the feeling of the theme reminded me a lot of the feeling of Chewie's theme, which is something just very noble and adventurous um, because Leia is, she's this very adventurous young woman. Yeah. Yeah, she's trying to skip a uh, public event to go watch the ships take off at the spaceport Yeah, uh, <laughs> with her little droid Lola, um, who's adorable. Um, yeah, it's great. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And she's climbing trees and, you know, deep in the woods, just doing what she wants to do. Um, I think one of my favorite moments of this this first scene with Leia is when Breha uh, finds her uh, and confiscates Lola um, as punishment because obviously, you know, you turn it off. You can't, you know, you you were told what you were, you were supposed to be doing and you disobeyed. And so she puts it away and Leia tries to do this very sweet, oh, I, I promise I'll, I'll do better and I love you so much. And she hugs Breha and Brea, you know, smiles at the hug and then just sort of goes, you know, I can feel you doing that when she's <laughs> pulling Lola back out from the pouch that she was put in. So I thought that was one of my favorite parts of that whole first scene with Leia. So <laughs> it's really cute. Uh, um, well, yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's established pretty quick too that Leia is, she's very smart. She's, got a wisdom well beyond her 10 years um as she kind of put probably her- force assisted i would yeah. imagine yeah um her cousin is uh put in his place by her pretty quickly which is great oh yeah uh yep. and then we get jason my new potentially favorite balcony scene in star wars um I, if i'm being 100 honest i don't know that i'll ever like a balcony scene more than the one in revenge of the sith um hate on it all you want y'all but i love it but this is a close second and I love this scene between Leia and Bale. Um, I'm so happy we have Jimmy Smits back. I, I, he just, there's something about Jimmy Smits in the role of Bale Organa that he just, he makes me feel like we're going to be okay. He has that presence to him in the type of character he plays. Like when he, when he shows up in Rogue One, you know, when Jin's kind of being interrogated about her father by the rebels. And then, you know, Bale steps in. I'm like, oh, Bale's here. We're going to be okay. 
<laughs> you know, and I don't know yeah. why. I don't know where that comes from exactly. Um, I think it, and, and he, well, he kind of exudes he, this dad energy. He has really good father energy, which is like this one of like uh, foresight and protection. Um, and I really like that. And, and just calm. And calm. And yeah. calm. And, and Jimmy so, Smith plays it so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jimmy Smith, is, it's great to have him back. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times we're going to be able to get him back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an appearance or two in Andor, uh, which we'll mm. talk about later. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure how many more times we're going to get him back because, you know, he's he's pretty far along in his career and it wouldn't surprise me if he might want to retire soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to take every opportunity we get to have Bail Organa back in, in Star Wars. And it's so nice to see him back in such a repeated way in these, these shows and the, you know, movies like Rogue One, because he is such a crucial character, uh, in the development of, you know, the story and, uh, the heroes of the original trilogy but we never saw him in the original trilogy. So it's so nice to get all of this content with him coming out that we can actually see him and experience Bail Organa for like who he was and really experience the impact that he had on the story and the characters that we know and love. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's, that's a fantastic thing. Yeah. And out on that balcony, again, the, the star Wars is great with balcony scenes being very, character driven moments and i i love this it did part of me there is a small part of me that doesn't love how bale is planning out leia's life for her i think that's a little unfair um you know uh it, it's somewhat similar to what's happening to luke right uh kind of like owen is owen's plotting out luke's life inadvertently by denying him exposure to the bigger world Leia is we as we learn Leia is also kind of being denied exposure like we learn that she's never allowed off planet um like clearly she's getting a lot of education she's a very intelligent young woman but she's also kind of being stifled in a certain capacity um and she's pushing against that like any child would like any person really would um uh-huh. and you know, Bale is again. I love balcony scenes because they're often moments where characters share their desires, their 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 aspirations, their hopes. Um, and for Bale, he's doing that with Leia. He's telling her like, "You're going to be in junior senate. You're going to be this great senator, specifically because you don't want to do this, right? You're not in this for power, or prestige. You would be great because you actually care about people." Um, and but Leia, like Leia, is having a hard time seeing her future because she doesn't even think she's a real Organa, right? Because of that really nasty remark her cousin said. And I just, I love how Bale gets down on a knee and oh, just like the acting of Jimmy Smith. Like every time I've watched this scene, I have teared up. I think it's so beautiful. You are an Organa in every way. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And then they have that little pinky like thing right like it's just so cute yes. it, it just something that simple implies so much they have such a closeness um and it seems that she is closer to him than she is to her mother just because when they're waiting for her mother's family to show up and they're staying at the spaceport and she's like, that's what i said you know and, right. and Breha's like don't encourage her right like they bail and leia have a very special relationship 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and even at one point, Breha says, well, I, you know, I know who she takes after, um, you know, so <laughs> she says that to Bale. So, uh, obviously it's not her. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a really nice scene and I loved how he, you know, said, you know, when I was your age, I wanted to live out beyond, and I forget the name and I, I'm assuming it's the mountain. Yeah. The mountains there. Like, out there. So, yeah. Um, and chase, but, yeah, and chase Purgle. Like Ezra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we, we, we get the reference to Purgle, which is great. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was just a great scene. It's, it's beautiful and wonderful. Uh, um, but unfortunately, that's, uh, that's kind of shattered a little bit because she gets kidnapped. She sure does. Um, really quick, just because just cause I took the time really quick. I'm going to play that scene really quick because I just... I just I want to freshen our heads. Son, it's boring. It's people in itchy clothes arguing. <laughs> well, it may seem so. I don't want to be a senator. Which is why you'll probably be one of the best. Not even a real look on her. Don't ever say that. You are a child. You are... And Organa in every way. One day this planet will look to you, Leia. Oh, what a beautiful moment. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. He um, means that with every fiber of his being. Yes. And he wants her to know that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then, like you said, unfortunately, the Red Hot Chili Peppers kidnap her. So... Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I, I knew that that guy looks familiar to me. Like, I, obviously I know who the Red Hot Chili Peppers are. Every song sounds the same. So if you enjoy one, you like them all. Um, and uh, sorry to all you hardcore Red Hot Chili Pepper fans that I know that's not exactly true, but they have a very they have a very distinct sound. Um, they but, do. Uh, when I saw his face, I'm like, that guy looks so familiar. And then in the closing credits, when I saw Flea, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the bass player for Red Hot Chili Peppers. But you know who he reminds me of? And I think would have been hilarious to also have put in that role. Nick Gillard. Yeah. Nick Gillard. I don't know. Like I was like, is, cause that, that was, was my first was thought. Was, I, was I was like, was Oh man, first. is that Nick Gillard? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was, that was the, that was my first reaction. I was like, is that Nick Gillard? And Kyle was like, no, I don't think so. But I was like, <laughs> that was my first thought is that it was Nick Gillard, which I thought would have been funny because obviously for those who don't remember, Nick Gillard is the, the source master for the prequels. He's the one who choreographed all the, the the fight scenes and lightsaber action from the prequels. So, um, and of course, plays yeah. uh, the Jedi Temple swordsman Asin Drolig, um, yep. who gets killed by Anakin on Hollow Cam. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, no, I, I I was like, oh my gosh, is that Nick Gillard? <laughs> yeah, which I just thought would have been really cool. Um, yeah, it would have been cool, but no, it, it's it's Flea, uh, who's Red Hot Chili Peppers, and. Apparently was in Back to the Futures two and three. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, he's the, he's one of the guys in the truck at the end of uh, Back to the Future three who tries to convince Marty to race, um, and then they nearly spin out um, when Marty doesn't. So I've never seen the third one. So <laughs> I, that's anyway. what Joey told me. Okay. So I'd have to go back and see him. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, right. So her 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 kidnapping is what 
uh, you know, to use literature language, that's the inciting incident in a way. It's what sets the plot in motion. Yes. Um, and, and, and her kidnapping is, of course, set up by Riva. So in an interesting way, Riva is the imminent protagonist. I think Vader will be the overarching protagonist, certainly. Um, but and antagonist. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. She is certainly not the protagonist, at least not at this point. Um, no. But yeah, so she sets this all up in order to draw Obi-Wan out because she she knows from the temple archive records that Bale and Obi-Wan were good friends. And um, so she's going to try. She knows nothing about Leia's real heritage. She just knows, hey, I'll kidnap no. the daughter and, you know, Bale will probably turn to, to Obi-Wan. I think that's a bit of a stretch for the plot, but it is what it is. It works well enough. I don't I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great. Um but uh yeah but it and gets us where we need it, to be. Right. So. Exactly. It gets us from point A to point B. Star Wars has lots of silly things. So this one is not exactly silly. It's just I think a bit of a stretch. Um but because uh, Bale's also a very important center. There's no reason to think he wouldn't just turn to anything else, which is and which is why I love like this is Obi-Wan's call to adventure to use Campbellian terms. Right. Um, and his first call to adventure, he declines it. It's it's very it's very Moses. Moses, when he is first called by yeah. God to go speak to the Pharaoh, Moses has these excuses. He has a speech impediment. He, you know, he killed he killed one of Pharaoh's men. Like he's he's hated by the people there. He can't go back. No way. I can't do it. Obi-Wan's excuses are I, you know, I have an obligation here. I can't leave the boy. Also, I'm not the person you thought I was. Like I'm not that person anymore. It's been a decade. I'm not I'm not General Kenobi anymore, right? I right. am somebody very different. So he declines, right? He turns that that call to adventure down until Bale shows up in person. Um which yeah. I think is a by the way, I I get such a kick out of his uh, his home alarm system, the little periscope yeah, yeah, droid yes. that's either blue or yes. red. Oh my god, I want one for my apartment so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that that's awesome. I do love that. That was that was a great thing. Um, but you know, I I love Bail Organa showing up uh, there in the cave because you know, obviously, you get the idea he's been waiting for Obi Wan to get back from work. Um, <laughs> Uh, because, and you get the impression that as soon as Obi-Wan hung up with Bale and Breha, Bale was getting on a ship to Tatooine. Like, he didn't even, like, pack anything or, you know, grab a snack uh, or whatever. He was like, nope, I'm taking the 10 of 4, we're going to Tatooine, and I'll be back as soon as he's on his way. So, <laughs> I doubt yeah, he took that the 10 was, of 4. I feel like that's too much ship. Yeah. Too much. Probably. I, I was, I was yeah. just, you know, putting a yeah, shit no. title out there, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just totally. So, yeah. you. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. But yeah, I, I feel like Bale was like, I'm not taking no for an answer and mm. I'm leaving right now. Um, like it took him less than an hour from the time Obi-Wan hung up, hung up with them to the time that he was in hyperspace. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, you're right. He just he wouldn't take no. And um, something I, I, I meant to throw this out a bit earlier because it happens much earlier in the episode. Um, but because I think it's worth mentioning because I think it hopefully will come to to a different end. But when Obi-Wan wakes up from his nightmare, right, his nightmare of everything that happened with Anakin, he calls out to Qui-Gon, you know? Yeah. Um, and he hears nothing. 
And again, like I really hope he's going to hear Liam Neeson's voice before this show ends. Um, I think that's a really important part of his, his journey. Um, but I do like that in this moment of despair, he calls out to him and he doesn't hear anything. And I don't know if that's because Qui-Gon's yeah. not speaking or because Obi-Wan's not able to listen. Right. Um, I would suspect in this frame of mind, it's the latter. Obi-Wan is unable to hear. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you put, bring that up because also, and just skipping ahead into the second episode for yeah. a quick second, when Obi-Wan lands on, uh, I forget the, the new planet, Dio. his name, uh, Dio, thank you. Yeah. Um, but he lands and he says, you know, essentially to Qui-Gon, I, mm-hmm. I, I could use some of your guidance right now. Yep. Uh, they're bringing this up enough and they made sure to mention, you know, training I have for you yeah. to speak to your old master in the, 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 the wrap up from the yep. prequels at the beginning that it has to happen at the end. Like that they're, they're, they're these beats are in here to be resolved in this show, in my opinion. Yep. Um, if they're not, then there's a problem, and we're going to have all sorts of words with Lucasfilm and Deborah Chow, um, who has been Deborah Chow, by the way, has been fantastic with this show so far. Like I, I would love her to keep doing more Star Wars um, if this is the kind of quality that we're going to get. So, um, but yeah, Qui Gon, I believe, will say something. Yeah, at the end. Right. Because um, exactly. It, in fact, it might be the last scene, the last shot in the entire show is Qui-Gon speaking to Obi-Wan. So, <laughs> yeah, which would be great, which would be absolutely great. And a lot of people are, you know, for all the people that are saying, like, we better see his force ghost. No, we better not, actually, because Qui-Gon doesn't learn that. Like, that's been established in Clone Wars. Y'all watch your damn Star Wars <laughs> before you fly <laughs> off the handle about stuff you don't know anything about. Um but yeah, I, I I mean, if he's a force ghost, sure, like I, you can do that. But according to the story that already exists, he says to Yoda he couldn't, he didn't figure that out. But he leaves that to Yoda, and mm-hmm. by extension to Obi Wan, because canonically speaking, Obi Wan's the first one to to do it. Um, right. But be that as it may, yeah, I really and I'm with you, right? Like I don't think. They mention. I don't think they have Obi Wan mentioning Qui Gon in each of the two first episodes without that having some sort of resolution. Um, right. You don't have to bring it up, right? Like you just don't bring it up if you're not going to uh, mention it. Um, right. But they're bringing it up, so I would like to think that that'll happen. Uh, and, and I, I would think so. And yeah, to your point, I think it is more the, the reality that Obi Wan's not able to hear it. Um, because he's just, he's just wallowing. And I think that's Mm -hmm. to me again, like we're just, all we can do is speculate with two episodes at this point. But I do think that this is the story that propels him into Ben Kenobi, crazy old wizard living in the Junlin waste, waiting for Luke with this sense of optimism and hope because the Obi-Wan we're meeting right now is the traumatized man who's lost everything. And isn't quite yeah. sure. Like he knows what he's supposed to do. Um, and this is another thing too. And I, we, we will get into the second episode here in a second. But I forgot to mention this earlier too. Because I thought there's an interesting dichotomy for Obi-Wan in that conversation with, with Owen. Where he's very adamant that Luke must be trained. And yet when he bumps into that Jedi in the desert, he's very clear. The war is over. We lost. The Jedi are over. Right? Um, he's, he's very last Jedi Luke in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. and 
but yet he still holds out the hope. And I, I think insofar as that relationship with the, the former Jedi who eventually gets killed, I think for Obi-Wan, he understands that the right thing to not, the thing to not do is to try to organize a bunch of Jedi and fight another war. Like, I think he's learned that this isn't the way to go. And he's just trusting in whatever Luke may possess and present for the future. So I think that's why there is this interesting dichotomy of like, Obi-Wan doesn't even really see himself as an effective Jedi anymore and yet still feels an obligation to train Luke. But he's not even at the space where he could even even if Owen was like, all right, great. He has been showing. I'll bring him over to your cave. (laughs) Right. Like um, if that were to happen, Obi-Wan is not in the place to properly train Luke anyway. No, not at all. And I think he knows that, uh, but doesn't want to admit that. Hmm. Um, But it is, you know, it's so much to the point where that when he finally gets, you know, cornered and talked into going and saving Leia, um, you know, by by Bale, that Obi-Wan has to go out into the desert to dig up his and Anakin's lightsabers just to go on this mission. You know, like he told the Jedi, you know, go out, take that thing, go out in the middle of the desert and bury it. Yeah. Like, because that's what he did. Yeah. Um, And, and now he's got his lightsaber on his hilt and, and Anakin's assumedly back in his cave somewhere, um, hidden away so that the freaking Jawas won't steal it and try and sell it back to him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the parts on his evaporator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, but he does, he, he finally does. And he's, you know, forced back out into the, the wider world to save Leia. And he leaves Tatooine to do so mm-hmm. as not necessarily a Jedi um, yet. But as a, you know, someone using the force, wielding a lightsaber. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it. There's very heroic note played in the score as he decides to leave Tatooine. Um, And you Mm -hmm. get the great shot of him putting something into his pocket and the reveal of his his hilt on his belt. Um, He's stepping back into that world once again. Um, And then with the second episode, we go to a new planet, Dayu, which we've never been to before. I think the design of this planet is awesome. It looks very space Tokyo to me. Like it just, I, I, I'm trying mm. to remember the city that it actually is inspired by because it is inspired by a particular earthly city. Um, but it just gives me like a Tokyo vibe. It also reminds me a little bit of like Coruscant, like the, some parts of the Coruscant and some of the, even the wardrobes had a little bit of an Outlander Club feel to them. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, but to me, like the general, like just my general overall view of this second episode is that we get Detective Kenobi again, right? We just talked a ton yeah. about Obi-Wan and Attack of the Clones this past month. And this is, he kind of just, he, he so seamlessly slips back into that role. And I think that's, that's one of the, the distinctions I would make between Kenobi and Luke in Last Jedi is, Luke is just stubbornly thinking like, I have to stay out of this fight. There's no reason for me to be back. I'm only part of the problem. Whereas Obi-Wan doesn't necessarily believe that about himself. Like he, I think there is a little bit more of an optimism in the sense of like, all right, I am actually really needed here by bail. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved. Um, and, uh, yeah. 
And, and I just like how se- like it's just so seamless how he can slip right back into that detective mode again. It's it's like a muscle memory. I, he's not. I don't. I don't feel like he's like incredibly engaged. Uh, you know, to the extent that he would have been, you know, a decade earlier yet, but it's muscle memory and it's all coming back to him and it's slowly kind of opening him back up to, you know, who he used to be, how he used to, you know, use the force and touch the force and, and things like that. And it's, he's getting forced back into this, um, because it does seem like he's completely shut himself off like Luke did, Mm -hmm. um, from the force. Uh, and so he's, he's back there, you know, tracking through the gutters and everything like that. And obviously it's not too terribly difficult to find Leia because he, he's supposed to. Um, yeah, I, to the point though, I, I actually don't think he's cut himself off from the force like Luke did. I think he just hasn't used it. Um, okay. And something I love in the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston, which right is, is kind of her story that bridges between the events of mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith and her involvement with the Rebellion. There's a, there's a moment in there where Ahsoka realizes she'll always be able to tap into the Force, but the longer she stays away from it, the more she kind of loses the abilities because it's like a muscle. Mm. It's, it is some, it's a discipline to be a Jedi. It's a hard life to quote Kaigan Jin because it takes a lot of discipline. So I think for Obi-Wan and he tells Leia in this episode, she's like, you know, why don't you use your lightsaber in the force? He's like, cause if I do that, they'll be able to detect me. So I don't think that he's cut himself off per se so much as he's just not using it. Um, That's fair. That's a fair. So, I, I don't mean to say like that you're wrong. Maybe he has. I, I don't think that's been explicitly stated, but I think that he you know, is. He's he's using it so minimally, if not at all, to protect mm-hmm. himself. That he's just. It's not that he's lost the ability to use it, but his his mastery of it has diminished because, like any discipline, um, you know, when I used to do Zen meditation back in college. Uh, it took a while to get to the place where I could actually sit and kneel for an hour straight. And I remember I took a month off and went back to it. It was hard to get back into that like mental state because it's a muscle memory. Like it's something that you have to learn to do and quite or Obi-Wan taking time away from using it. It's affected his ability to use it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. Um, but you know, <laughs> We do meet this this faux Jedi, this this con man who's. <laughs> you know who we meet. Uh, you know who we meet before the con man, though. Two very interesting characters. First, we get a Clone War veteran. Uh, yes, which is which was awesome. fantastic. Great to see Tamora Morrison in the show. Um, and uh, yeah, and you know the reason I really liked the clone trooper being in there is, I mean, one, it is just cool to see Tem Morrison and other stuff. But to me, it immediately was a reminder of what a sham the Clone War was, right? Like it, like mm-hmm. all those, I'm sure he's not the only one, but these clones that are just kind of tossed out now. I mean, when we, we've seen this happening in Bad Batch, right, as they're being transitioned out of the clones. Um, but it's, it's just like this sad reminder, this man rotting in the gutter, that everything he fought for was basically just a lie, which is really yeah, and- sad. And the last time Obi-Wan saw a clone, uh, they were trying to kill him. And he was killing them. And he was killing them. And now they're not so different. Yeah. You know. They, they're, they're they both, both lost you know, that war. 
Yeah, they yeah. both lost the war, and and they're both you know essentially rotting in the gutter or mummifying in a desert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. so, something I was thinking about today. I was Joe. I was catching up with Joe Hogan today, um, and super proud of him. He sold every. He sold out of every print that he had at Celebration, which is just awesome. I I love Joe. Nice. He deserves that. Um, but we, I was talking about. I thought it was also really an an interesting point about this particular clone trooper because when when George wrote the original Star Wars movies, it was partly in response to Vietnam, and George was very opposed to the Vietnam War. Um, but I think that this was this clone trooper in his own way is actually a nice way of reflecting on you can be opposed to the war, but you don't have to, but you don't have to hate the people that fought it. Right. Cause like, this is very true. A lot of Vietnam war veterans, when they came home, they were, you know, derided and hated on and like called murderers. And yes, there was obviously a lot of atrocities done by American soldiers, but at the same time, a lot of guys just fought because they thought it was the right thing to do. And I thought that this clone trooper kind of represents that is like, even when somebody fights in a war that you don't necessarily believe in doesn't make them automatically a monster or a villain. Right. Um, right. So I just, I thought that was just, and I don't know if that was done on purpose or not. This could be me just kind of bending my brain into a pretzel, but I just think it's kind of nice full circle that you, George was obviously opposed to the Vietnam war. Rightfully. So it was a stupid war that we should never have been in. But on the same token, the men that went off to fight that war are not necessarily evil either, right? So, like, these clone troopers fought in a war that ultimately was for nothing. But they still deserve dignity. And yet he has none, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's been taken from them. Right. So it's just it's just a really it's, – it's a really – astute observation of of just the of the hell of war right the aftermath of war is never pretty um, no but um, no. yeah no that's great and and uh you said there were two characters that he met one was this trooper um and who was the other the uh before the, he meets the, the, the spice Jedi. dealer who's his own daughter in real life that's ewan mcgregor's daughter um so it's oh darn it I forgot to write down her name but yeah I it's so cool that it's his daughter who actually says I was some, I was somebody's daughter once too like ha yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah but you know who she kind of reminded me of because she's selling spice Sleeza Gabagano yes <laughs> yeah. you want to buy some death sticks yeah so she's she's a more tortured soul than him in a very simple like in a very outright way like i was with somebody's daughter mm-hmm. once like people that come here you just become lost um so she's but in a weird way she is trying to like yes she's obviously trying to get sales but she's also saying hey a couple more of those and you'll forget all about her right like just trying to make you forget kind of like what uh what's his face does for mando in in the first season of mandalorian um Grief Cargo when he's like, oh, yeah, when Mando's all worried about what's going to happen to the kid. Hey, let's take some spice. You'll forget all about it. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought that was I didn't know it was his daughter at first. I saw somebody post that on, you know, on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, but she's just I love that little moment where she's somebody who's just trying to survive and she sees a kind of a, a lost soul like herself. So she, she offers at least what she knows to be a remedy to that pain. Just ignore it. Like just numb it. Right. Un- unfortunately, like yeah. that's, that's sad, but it, that's her way of offering help. Right. Right. Um, um but it, it does then lead us into, uh, meeting this con man who's pretending to be a Jedi with, with magnets and remotes and, 
a, a script for a Jedi mind trick um, <laughs> that's very hilariously done. You know, this is a Jedi mind trick. I am in your mind. <laughs> Uh, oh, you are so powerful in the force. I know. Yes. <laughs> yes <I am. laughs> so, so good. It was such a good scene. And it was even, it was made even better by the fact that Obi-Wan was in the corner watching it the entire time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the actor that plays Haja, Kum- Kumail N- Najani, I'm probably saying his last name wrong. He was, he was just in Eternals. Um, but he was, he put out a really funny tweet the other day when the show came out where he like retweeted his picture from the show. And he said, growing up, my cousin always had more star Wars toys than me. I think I can finally say I've wound up him. (laughs) 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 Which I just thought was like, that's such, that is so funny. (laughs) Now we just have to have a, 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 an action figure of his character I bet so that he can coming. give that to his cousin. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. I love it. Um, but you know, Obi-Wan unveils his, his con and gets the you know info he needs to find the spice den uh, mm-hmm. where they're hiding Leia. Um, Want to know the name of the character yeah. that he's helping? This is in the closing credits. Again, somebody, pointed this out and I thought it was awesome. The little boy and his mother, you want to know what the boy's name mm-hmm. is? Sure. Corin Horn. Yep. And they're, oh! and they're going to Corellia. Yep. And yes. let's not forget that the next Star Wars movie is Rogue Squadron. Yep. Ah! <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Okay. So the, the name I'm... of the character in the credits is Corin Horn, which is awesome. Okay. Yeah. That made this scene a million times better. Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much. I I wanted to know, for those of you who don't know, I've, obviously I watched this during, you know, the lead up to, to Phoenix Fan Fusion, and I'm also packing to move in just a few days time from, from now. So uh, I have not had the chance to dive as deep into some of these little details and stuff. Um Hey, as I'm, I normally would have. Yeah, I'm so just, this is why I'm so glad Carl is here to <laughs> well, catch all these. So many people are people are catching them. I'm just I'm just uh, I'm just passing on what I've heard. So like I, I want us all to benefit. In Thank case you. Others aren't using this stuff, and I've had a lot of time on my hands, Jason. So. <laughs> I just want to share the wealth. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. I I mean, I'll be honest. I never really pay attention to the closing credits outside listening to the music. I'm not really reading the stuff. I'm just listening to the the sounds. Um, So just somebody, somebody just shared like a screenshot of, you know, the closing credits with the character names and it's, they've circled Corrin Horn. I'm like, holy mackerel. That's awesome. Um, So that's fantastic. In case any of you right now listening are like, who's Corrin Horn? Corrin Horn was a a huge character in the the old Legends canon. He is the main character in the Rogue Squadron series, he and Wedge. Uh, And he also becomes a Jedi trained by Luke Skywalker at the Jedi Academy. Um, So he's a very prominent character in the, in the legends canon. So just really cool that he's now a canon character again, whether they do any of that stuff with him, time will tell, but I don't think you put him in there for no reason. Yeah, the, one of the the best, uh, one of the most unique uh, Star Wars Legends book books, uh, I Jedi, mm-hmm. is written in first person, and it is a, his story. It's yep. Corrin Horn's story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that it's a very good book. Um, 
uh, in case you're curious about you know it. Who yeah. was, you know who was uh, really surprised by that too? Mike, Michael Stackpole, mm-hmm. the, the, the author who created Cornhorn. Because when somebody tagged that on social media, Michael Stackpole was like, this is really cool. I didn't know. <laughs> so um, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. Um, huh. I'm going to kind of be thinking about that one for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's just pretty. Exciting. But yeah. But we finally get Obi-Wan and Leia together, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. They're so good together. Um so good They're together. so good together. And, and she's, you know, too smart for her own good. Uh, overthinks things a little bit or, or like gets just part of the story and, and doesn't trust Obi-Wan. And so we, he has to try and chase her down while Reva is sending out all of the, the scum and bounty hunters after him. Uh, because yeah, the, the inquisitors are there again. Uh, and it's it's like Obi-Wan can't catch a break or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's being hunted by a velociraptor. So, yeah, you know, it's a good yeah, thing. A velociraptor with a giant cannon. Yeah. It's a good thing there wasn't two of them because one might pounce on him from the side. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that, that was that was for LOM. It was for LOM uh, instead. Uh, right, right, so. <laughs> right, right. Although, was it because he gets... Well, I guess it's just a droid, so you can shoot it a bunch, but it doesn't mean it can't get reactivated. Um, exactly. Be, yeah, because Haja guns it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, the, yeah. The banter between Leia and Obi-Wan is just so good. You know, she her cracks at him about being old and beat up. <laughs> and, and when he's like, yes. tell people that, I, you know, you're my daughter, granddaughter, maybe. She like mumbles under her breath and he goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> like he can't what? hear like an old Nothing. man. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's just so cute. I Their chemistry yeah. on screen is unbelievable. Wait. You're a Jedi. Make me float. Make me float. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And then he explains why, because he's like, if I use this stuff, I'll be noticed. Um, yeah, she doesn't necessarily believe him though. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but that, so, the scene where she falls, um, and he yeah. is forced to use, he's forced to use the force. <laughs> um, I love how hard it is, right? Like just think back to clone wars, like how easily Obi-Wan was like making people float or all these like crazy abilities he had with the force. And here he struggles so hard just to prevent her from falling to her death, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a very humbling scene to give us a really clear sensibility of where he's at. And it makes me it makes me nervous for him because what is he gonna do if he has to fight Vader? Like I'm sure Vader has kept up with his force training. What is he gonna do even against Reva? I mean Reva is a she is just a like fire incarnate. Like she's gonna be coming at you hard. Like mm-hmm. I mean obviously we know he can't and won't die, but you know, I mean, he really struggles even in that moment. But I love it. I love that he struggles because, again, that it's it's something he hasn't been practicing. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's he's starting to access it again, and I, I would imagine as he uses the force more, uh, it will come back to him faster and faster. Um, but right now, that was you know the big, the first big exertion he's had to use the force with in who knows how many years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. And he made her float. Um, <laughs> yeah. but 
you know, I I do love this uh, all of this banter between Obi Wan and Leia, and the fact that he does save her life like this because it's a it's a formative thing for her, and it's it also gives us a reason as to why Leia would name her son Ben, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fantastic. It's great that that's you know a connection that they're they're that they're making now um, in order to tie all of star wars together yeah so yeah and you know um she doesn't even know his last name is kenobi she just knows he's ben nope. that's all she knows um uh, you know and, and after saving her they get some extra help from haja that's right mm-hmm. that's his name haja um yeah haja. i think it's haja yeah and uh he offers them to you know, go to this place. There's there. There's people there that can help you. Um, and Haja does like he's he's obviously not a Jedi. He doesn't have the Force, but he does seem to really have uh, a particular fondness for the Jedi. Um, like yes, he's mm-hmm. using them as a ploy to make some extra money. Um, but there is, but he is like he is also helping people. Like he helped that he's a. Yeah. He, it's brought to his attention that this young boy has force abilities. So he's helping keep him safe. So he's not picked up by the emperor and turned into an inquisitor or some cloned project, right? Like he is doing good work and picking up some money on the side. Like, yeah, there's a sleaziness to him, but there's also a goodness to him. I mean, this is probably a kid who like Anakin wanted to grow up and be a Jedi, except Haja wasn't force sensitive enough to be a Jedi. So, you know, now he's living out his dream as a you know a bit of a con artist. He's still helping people, mm-hmm. uh, grifting them for you know within an inch of their life in some cases, but still helping people. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Including now helping Obi Wan and Leia, uh, getting them off planet and attempting to hold off Riva. Yeah. Which, which is um, such a bold went about move. as well as you could imagine. Right. <laughs> I. I mean, I was. I was positive she'd kill him just because she seems so fiery that like she'll get what she wants from him and then she's just going to kill him but um maybe she just i don't know she just sees him as such a non-threat that it's it is what it is and she's in such a hurry he's so beneath her yeah exactly exactly uh and then she yeah i I do love the i do love the moment though you know as she comes around the corner of that alan he's standing there and we get the the shot um down the alley of him yeah. standing there with the blaster and that was in the trailer yep and we all thought it was obi-wan yep at least i know i did i definitely so, did as well yeah it was like you know oh, that's obi-wan but then they they showed that and i was like oh you sneaky sneaky trailer people i love it <laughs> so uh but yeah it, it was great um and he introduces I don't know if we'll himself ever... as a jedi too even to her he's like I am the only Jedi here. She's like, you're no Jedi. <laughs> right. Oh, right. She's not buying it for a second. He yeah. keeps trying to insist and she's just not having it. Yeah. It was, it was really, it's the only time that you ever see Riva like off, like thrown off her game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, like, just what are you? Like, right. why? You, what? Yeah. Just like, what are you? Like, yeah. what, what is this? <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Is but obviously she gets the information from him. So, yeah, she uses the Kylo Ren ability apparently. Um mm-hmm. and uh yeah, and then takes off after them. We get another really cute tender moment where Han, 
Han, jeez, Obi Wan is reminded of Padme through the uh-huh. person of Leia, right? Um, and I, and I like that he says she was a leader. Like he doesn't say a senator, he doesn't say a queen. He says a leader, and I just I feel like that was purposeful to the language used earlier when she's talking with Bail, where Bail says you'll figure out how to be a leader, right? So he, yeah. while he has all these dreams and hopes that she becomes a senator, or she'll be the queen someday, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, he knows that she's going to be a good leader. So more than anything, you have to find out your way of being a leader. So I like that, that it's kind of connected back then here in this episode where Obi-Wan recognizes, you're, you know, you remind me of this leader I knew. She wasn't a Jedi, but she was a leader. Um, and that is Leia. That is exactly who Leia always continues to be. Um, so yeah. I, I love that little moment. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. Um, yeah, the, the the two of them are still fantastic. And a little bit earlier, she meant she's saying something like how how you think if you don't say anything that you know, yeah, you, you think you'll, by not you'll stay anything. hidden or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and she says this very insightful thing. And he turns around. How old are you? Ten. <laughs> you don't sound ten. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so cute. So, they're they're cute. absolutely fantastic, um, but their little cute moment, uh, sweet, sweet moment of, of recollection, is interrupted by Riva, who has tracked down Obi Wan and is hunting him like uh, you know a cat toying with a mouse, mm-hmm. and she is toying like th- this is you know. She's apparently been after Obi Wan for a long time, and now this is the closest uh, she's ever gotten to him, and she's just reveling in it. Uh, gets interrupted though by the Grand Inquisitor, uh, who the she then guts with her lightsaber uh, to get him out of the way. So, I got um, yeah. I have no idea what that's going to mean because I thought this was the same Grand Inquisitor as Rebels, but either it he- is. So he either survives this or what? I mean, yeah, I, I'm assuming he survives it, but he's going to be in a back to tank for a few episodes, unable to say anything. And she's going to blame his injuries on Obi-Wan um, Until in he, order to try and stage oh, a coup yeah. within the Inquisitors. Yeah, that's my suspicion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's down for the count and she's after Obi-Wan. And tells him the biggest news of his life. The most heart-shattering news of his life. Yeah. That Anakin is still alive. And he is Darth Vader still. Yeah. 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 And uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes into an existential crisis. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's literally in shock. He's, He's so traumatized by that truth. And, you know, he, he does like he at least has the energy to run and get onto the cargo ship and leave with Leia. But I love the way it, just even the sound design of this is Leia's like, you know, Ben, Ben, are you OK? And like her voice even starts to fade away as we like close in on his face, almost like he's gone into panic mode. Like he is he is just lost in that that the trauma of like, oh, damn, what does this yeah. mean? And then and then just boom, it shocks right into the to Vader's, you know, medicine tube whatever the heck that thing is but uh, yeah, back to yeah back to, i mean yeah. he, he he says anakin and then it just smash cuts right yeah. into anakin vader just opening his eyes and staring straight into the camera um and it's just like oh no 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so it's like, haunting. Ugh. Yeah. And and that's where they leave us. Right. <laughs> with episode two. <laughs> right. And as of the release of this, we'll know what comes next because we already got our next episode. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Um. Well, like we said, though, at the top, there there's so much news at Celebration. And uh, Jason, we're certainly not going to go through all of it because there's just too much. Um, right. There was all, I mean, there was also lots of great stuff about the High Republic. Uh, you know, I, I'm not even going to get into any of that. But um, there's so much good Star Wars coming down the pipe of, for just in just for the sake of time and our own exposure. Um Let's just talk about some of the shows that we've got coming up. I mean, the rest of 2022 and early 2023, we have Andor in August. We have mm-hmm. in the fall, we get both Bad Batch season two and the Tales of the Jedi cartoon. Oh, yes. February of next year is Mandalorian season three and probably spring of next year is Ahsoka. Yeah, that's a lot uh, because that is. <laughs> Yeah, that is filming right now. So yeah. uh, it's it's a lot of stuff. Um, Andor looks fantastic. I, I'm more excited about this show than I thought I would be. Um, Bad Batch looks exciting. Tales of the Jedi is something I didn't know I, uh, I needed as much as I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's It looks fantastic. Uh Mandalorian season three is going to be fantastic. I'm just because we, we know we're going back to Mandalore and, and going to deal with a lot of that stuff. And then Ahsoka, we're, we're getting the gang back together, the rebels gang back together. Uh, we know for sure Hera and Sabine and Chopper are going to be there. I'm going to assume Zeb will be there too because, but they have to animate him. <laughs> yeah. We so will. there's no footage available. The ghost um, will also be there. We're going to get to see the ghost mm-hmm. in live action, probably even like be inside of it live action, which is just awesome. That would be fantastic. Um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, it makes us believe we're probably going to get Thrawn and maybe Ezra too. Mm-hmm. So in, in that show. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, one thing I am excited about Andor is that since we have Mon Mothma featured so heavily, we're probably going to get Palpatine in some shape or form as well at some point, um, which just makes me excited. Uh, yeah, there, there's so much Star Wars goodness coming up in the next year that I cannot contain myself. Like, I'm very, very excited about all of this. And Andor is 12 episodes and only season one of a two episode, of a two season series, as far as we know. Yeah. So, ugh. I'm so excited, Carl. I don't, I don't know where to begin and I don't, <laughs> I, I'm just glad it's all going to come out in like a specific order uh, because I would just, there's just so much goodness. I don't know where to start with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a schedule. They'll roll it out for you, Jason. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like you, uh, when, when Andor was announced as a show, I was kind of whatever about it. Like, okay. I mean, he, I love him in Rogue One, but I was like, I don't really care about having an Andor show. But that trailer, I've done a 180. Like, it looks so good. I'm so excited to see this story about his time as a young man, like, fighting in the Clone War. Like, I can't wait to see some live-action Clone War action. Um, Again, like, we obviously got some of that in Mandalorian. It's going to be awesome to see that some more. And 
you know, uh, Henry Gilroy, who I, I think is like the, the principal lead writer on it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Has yeah, made it, it very, yeah, he's made it very clear that season one is essentially about, you know, standing up against this tyranny. And then season two is about officially joining the rebellion and being part of the rebellion's fight against the Empire, which is just yeah. like that's it's so great when, you know, they've already kind of planned out the whole show. Um Gives yeah. it a nice sense and of it, direction. Yeah, and and we're obviously you know Mon Mothma is going to be the, one of the other primary yep. players in this, so we're going to kind of my guess is we're going to kind of see how she goes from being a a sort of a loyalist senator to finally making the decision to leave the Senate and form the rebellion. Yeah, um, my guess is that's her journey throughout all of this. Uh, plus, from what I understand, it's sort of an ensemble cast, so we're going to get even more characters mm-hmm. that are going to have their own arcs and motivations through it all. Um, and somewhere along the way, we'll meet K2SO. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, whether that's season one or season two, we're not sure yet, but he'll be he'll be around at some point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this show. I'm very curious to see what all we're going to get from it. There's options to, you know, have returning characters, like I mentioned earlier, Bail Organa, maybe even have Forrest Whitaker come back as Saw Guerrera again. Um, you know, I'm very, very excited to see what they've put into this show because it looks like there's a lot of good stuff that's coming out of it. So. Yeah. The shot that I actually got most excited for in the trailer was just, I mean, it's a very short shot, but it's, the behind Mon Mothma in the Senate chamber and just, yeah. uh, it, it looks, it looks the same, but definitely different. Like, yeah, I just, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to be in the Senate chamber again. And, and I think that's what, what, what is a neat uh, attribute to the show is that we're going to essentially get two stories of how the rebellion formed from the top and from the bottom. Right. Yeah. Um, like Cassian is the one rolling in the dirt. He's been in the fight since he was six years old. He's always been in the trenches, whereas Mon Mothma, like that's not her fight. Her fight is at the top and and getting other centers and getting the backing to probably then formulate this rebellion. So I think it's just like a a really neat way of bringing those two forces together. Um, I I, I can't wait to see that. And I, I, you know, I would love to see just kind of that social interplay of the the political atmosphere of Coruscant during the time of the the Empire. Like, it's going to be fascinating yeah. to get to see that through Mon Mothma's story. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, definitely, it'll give us a a glimpse into things that we've only just really heard about, um, which is is an exciting thing for me. Um, yeah, yeah, that for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a lot to say about Ahsoka or Mandalorian because there was, I mean, there wasn't really much shown, at least not to us. I mean, I know people got to see more if they were in the exclusive panels, um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, Mandalorian season three is going to be back on Mandalore, figuring out, you know, who's going to be in control. Uh, it, I've heard hints that Bo Katan might be kind of the not per se the villain, but she will be kind of the antagonist for Din's journey potentially. Um, because she, 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 you know, she wants, she will want that saber back. Yeah. She will want that saber back for sure. Um, and you know, whether or not there, there's an easy way to make that happen. We'll have to see, uh, but likely not because that's not 
Creed, you know. Right. <laughs> right. So but I, um, I got to say, Jason, the thing I, I'm, I'm weirdly most excited for, and it was something I didn't even know we were getting, is Tales of the Jedi. I'm so excited yes. for this. Um, just these animated shorts, and they're focusing on two characters, Count Dooku and Ahsoka. Uh, like We're getting like Ahsoka as an infant. We're going to get how she gets taken to the temple, some of her early training. Um, but we get to go on adventures with Dooku and Qui-Gon which I think is going to be so fun. And according to Dave Filoni, they're very dark stories. Dooku is a very dark character, even as a Jedi. So I'm like, ooh, this is going to be awesome. (laughs) I am so excited. I am so freaking excited to get more of Dooku, uh, more Dooku stories just in general. And and the fact that we're also going to get it with Qui-Gon, not only just get Dooku and Qui-Gon together, but apparently there's going to be two different you know, sections of this with Qui-Gon at different ages because mm-hmm. Qui-Gon is going to be voiced not only by Liam Neeson, but also his son for a younger version of Qui-Gon. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited. And we, we see in the, there, there is a leaked trailer from the show out on the internet that Carl and I have seen. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you, it's probably one of the easiest ones to find from celebration uh, for whatever reason, but you do see Dooku at like three different distinct stages. Like one is a, a, a young man without the beard. And then, you know, you get him in, in two different uh, stages of, of, as he gets older. So uh, yeah, it, it looks really great. And I am so, so excited about, about this because, um, it looks like one of the other things we might be getting is Ahsoka learning how to use two sabers rather than just one. Mm-hmm. Um, that that story. So I'm very excited about what this is going to be and what we could get in the future should it be a success, which I'm near positive it will be. Yeah, yeah. And, and I like – so Dave Filoni talked about how it kind of came in – to existence was he was just jotting down these little short stories. He said one time on a plane and he shared it with two other, you know, executives it's Lucasfilm. And they were like, these are great. We should make these and just do them as animation shorts. And he was like, okay. (laughs) And he's, I mean, it was a great, he was like, it was a great opportunity to work with the animation team again. Cause it sounds like he's less involved in the animation side now because he's more involved with the live action stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot over the years, Jason, but how we both are kind of drawn to the Force and the Jedi is our favorite aspect of Star Wars. So, yes. of course, a show like this is right up our alley. 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, it, like I said, it was something that I didn't know. We didn't know this was coming until Celebration. Uh, they released the panel, the... Um, the panel schedule about a month ago and it was like there's this panel tales of the jedi dave filoni talks about new animated shorts you know or whatever like what's this and Mm. all we found out and it's better than i could have ever hoped (laughs) so (laughs) yeah gosh it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and i I don't have to wait too long i know and I am really excited that ahsoka's tv show is apparently just gonna be a continuation of rebels because that's awesome yes Absolutely. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 
that's kind of the 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 big strokes of everything that that kind of got revealed. Um, I guess the last uh, worth mentioning that we are getting a second season of Visions in the spring of next year, which will be really cool. And I guess yes. what they're doing is is they're going to be doing different cultural regions to tell different stories. So obviously the first volume was all um, Japanese inspired and Japanese storytellers. I don't know where they're going for the next one, but they want to do these kind of regional things that are different cultural storytelling techniques, which I think is awesome. Like that's a, that's a really neat thing to try. That's a, that's a fantastic thing. This is like their experiment, yeah. uh, you know, show, which I think is great. You know, it, it's great when you can use some medium like star Wars to just experiment and, and to, uh, introduce people to different styles of storytelling and, and artwork and stuff like that, that, yeah. you know, maybe we wouldn't have normally seen before. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's coming back. And that actually, the, the idea that it, you know, it's going to be a different region um, has me very interested now, very intrigued now, because uh, it, it makes me think we're not going to get any connections to the previous season at all. Um, right. And, and just have some new stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, and I don't know what regional stories they're going to be telling this time. I, I didn't hear that information, but all the same, I think that's a really, that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Jason, as we, as we kind of pack this up and put it away, you know, the, probably by the time folks are listening to this, they're probably going to be halfway through this Kenobi series because episode three is right around the corner. Um, yep. and, uh, yeah. So, uh, it, Jason and I were kind of doing some, uh, housekeeping at, at, before we started recording tonight and kind of just plotted things out for the next, next month or so. Um, but, uh, it, like you mentioned earlier, Jason, you're moving this weekend. You're moving into to, to a new apartment, and uh, it's going to be a, a hectic, busy weekend. So you're yes. going to take next week off. But uh, I, for those of you who follow our social media, um, you probably saw that I I had been doing a, a kind of a curated New Jedi Order read through for the first time ever, um, and I finished that just uh, a week ago. And my friend who did who reread the entire series just a few months ago is going to join me next week. And we're going to have just kind of a big general discussion about the new Jedi order, what the stories were about, how they, how those stories have had an impact on star Wars. Um, I'm just super excited to have a conversation uh, next week about that. So uh, while we're obviously in the midst of all the exciting things about Kenobi, we're going to take a, a, a kind of a sidebar next week into the, the legends new Jedi order story. But, uh, We'll be back in two weeks to to review episodes three and four of Kenobi. So, uh, yeah, can't wait. And 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 you'll still probably get some Kenobi goodness next week, anyways, because we've got panel audio from uh, Star Wars or from Phoenix Fan Fusion, um, and I think we're gonna try and get the Kenobi panel, uh, which was was done uh saturday morning you know so everyone there was super fresh having just watched it the day before essentially uh so that'll be a fun kind of reaction uh to everything um so we'll be releasing as we said those panels in like bonus episodes the next couple weeks so look out for those um and yeah so while i won't be on the main episode next week you'll probably still hear me uh in that panel audio uh, next week anyways. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we went over a lot. Uh, so Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi related or, uh, 
give us their thoughts on any of the big announcements that came out of Celebration in terms of, of upcoming content. Uh, where can people get in contact with us? Uh, well, we're on Twitter at Wampuslayer. You can find us on Instagram at The Wampuslayer. You can always email us at wampuslayerpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, anything else, Carl, before we close down this episode? Uh, no, I was so good talking about this. I'm glad we glad we were able to. I, I've been dying to talk with you about all of this content for the entire weekend. So I'm glad we had the chance to sit down and do this. Um, and thank you everyone for indulging Carl's and I uh, geek out with each other. Um, we, we know that's part of what you're here for. Uh, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 470, Kenobi premiere and celebration for Carl. I'm Jason. We'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>